Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Sebastian, big week. Uh, got a couple of recaps to do. Oh my goodness, so many recaps. Recaps of pretty much everything um, in the soccer world. We we're gonna hit the we're hitting the basically the majority of the world. Yeah, couple, missing a couple continents, but who cares? Yeah, I don't <laughs> think there was a whole lot going on in Australia and. Uh, there's nothing going on in Australia. No. They well, shut the country down. They shut, yeah, they shut the country down. Yeah. Yeah. Domestic but, football only. <laughs> oh, man. Australian football. What a great sport. If you've never watched Australian football, go watch them. Go watch yourself some Australian football because that is the most interesting sport in the world. It is so random. It's hard to keep up with, but it's fun and entertaining. Um, all right. So we finished the Diamonds. Well, kind of, sort of finished the Diamonds. We officially finished our UWS season. Uh, we'll put it that way. Um, tough loss against Keystone. But I think we we learned a lot from the season. I think we've got some positive things, some things to build on. And overall, we learned a lot. And I think the, the players enjoyed themselves and they're excited for next year already. Yeah, I mean, we were probably the youngest team out there by far. Uh, Absolutely. Fielding high school players along with college age players, but I mean it was an interesting experience. We got some good takeaways from it. We kind of know what to expect, so yeah, we'll be back strong next year. Absolutely, we're already planning things um, for next year. We're already planning the possibility of doing some uh, some winter tryouts and some different things. And now we have uh, two weeks left of our EDP season with our U23 team. So it's our second team technically right now with some of the Diamonds players filling in. Uh, so we got a game tomorrow uh, afternoon and then two games next week. And we kind of close out that season um, and then we get ready for the fall. So it's exciting stuff. I'm, I'm really looking forward to to seeing tomorrow. I think we get a really good um, display of both of our rosters kind of combined. So and I also feel like we're coming off of a really good week of practice. So I'm hoping that that translates into, into the, uh, to the way we play tomorrow afternoon. Absolutely. Yeah. Train hard, play hard. That's right. Yeah. But the recipes for success, right? Yeah. Um, and then next week we got our diamonds camp starting up as well. So some of our diamonds players, uh, so Katie, Des, Tyla, um, Corbett and Maddie are going to be uh, working the Diamonds game next week. So that's exciting. I'm looking forward to that because they, it puts the attention on them. Um, the kids are going to look up to them specifically. Like I'll be there and I'll, I'll manage some things around. But for the most part, they're going to be the ones running the camp. So I'm looking forward to to seeing how that goes. Our first Diamonds game that we'll do. So I'm hoping that that starts sparking an interest. Um, and then we ultimately you know, do two things. One, my goal at some point in our lives is for, for, for us to be able to go full circle, right? Some of the players that come into a diamonds camp at some point playing to play for the diamonds, um, get to that level. And at the same time, um, get our, our, our diamonds players, give them the chance to, you know, earn a little money, um, at the same time, you know, give back to the community. So I think that's a, that's a strong, strong thing for me. Um, the idea of giving back to the communities is pretty cool. So, um, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. It'll be a good time. Um, so we we're starting a new segment. Um, and unfortunately, Dwayne was not uh, was not there for the first part for the first like iteration of the segment. So um, we're calling it uh, we're calling it. It's kind of so maybe we can work through it real quick, Dwayne. But we have a couple different titles for it. So. Um, we have a uh, halftime uh, as one of the top, one of the, it's kind of weird because it doesn't always going to fall in the middle of the podcast, but it's a little bit longer than 15 minutes. Uh, but we have halftime, uh, the 91st minute, uh, extra time or asking for a friend. So somewhere in between there, there's a title, uh, the title in there or not, if you have suggestions. Yeah, if you have any suggestions, please hit us up. Uh, Facebook.com slash Delaware Union uh, on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer on Twitter at DE Union Soccer on or for the Diamonds on Facebook and Instagram at DE Union Diamonds. 
but yeah, I mean, ninety first minute right now is uh is one that I think it's it's after the game. Like we're we're talking, we're talking. Post- well, another way the stoppage time has been rolling in some of these games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be the 99th minute or the hundred, hundred and twenty first minute. Right, like some of these games are just plus PKs after the PKs after the shootout after the PK, after the PK shootout. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So the, our first our first topic. So these are um these are interviews that we're still gonna do, but they're they're um more way more specific than our regular interviews um and they're directed at one specific topic so the first interview that we did today and i did this yesterday was with uh coach mike barracaro from the ud women's team um he's been on the podcast many many times he is now basically just an extra member of our of our podcast team he's an extension of the podcast he absolutely he is a member of the family we'll do that we'll call him a member of our family uh, he lives in our little podcast universe. So, uh, so Mike, Mike, and I talked about this idea of um, when are you ready to job search, and what does that look like, and what does it look like at the college level, and some of the things that go along with it. Um, so, it's a topic that I think comes up every once in a while in every coach's uh, coach's career. So, this idea of job searching, when do you job search? How does it look like? What are some of the things that you should consider? Um, which also will lead into a deeper conversation of more specifics of actual job searching. We're going to give out some uh, some resume building tips in an interview that we have planned for the end of July. Uh, so make sure you guys come back in two weeks, July 30th. Actually, come back every week, but come back July 30th for sure. If you want to hear some uh, some more tips and ideas on resume building, um, we're going to have a really, really cool guest Duane, I'm gonna give you a little preview because I don't think you know this too either. So what what's the one thing we haven't done with our guests? What's the one what's the one other thing that we haven't? Well, there's a couple of things we haven't done, but but for sure, one, we we had guests from all over the country, right? What's the thing we haven't done yet? Interviewed guests from your household. Well, that as well, yeah. But we have yeah, that hasn't happened yet. But uh what else? We haven't gone international. We have not gone international. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. We're on international. July 30th. We'll find out. We'll find out if we go international or not. But uh, really excited. Uh, plus, it gives me a look back into my past as well. So uh, really looking for that. So, yeah. So coming up next is this uh, whatever it is that we call it. Halftime, 91st minute. Whatever we call it this week, we'll have a name by for it by next week. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have some suggestions from the people. Yeah, please send us your suggestions. Welcome to the first edition of uh, this unknown segment that Mike and I uh, are now in the middle of renaming, kind of as we as we talk. So uh, it's called either halftime, extra time, the ninety first minute, or just asking for a friend. Uh, somewhere, somewhere along those lines, somewhere in here, there, there's a title for this. Uh, I like it. But the idea behind this is that uh, we are going to talk about some different topics, but they're they're very specific. So it's it's uh, some quick conversations, some that we we may have had before, some that might be completely new. Um, but something to we're going to bring in experts or bring in different people to talk about different uh, very specific topics. So we brought in uh, Mike Maracero because uh, he has a lot of experience in the world of coaching um and he's uh he's lived up and down the east coast uh so the topic of conversation today is um job searching to a certain extent or the idea of job searching um and, and we're just let's just throw this out there right now like neither of us are job searching uh or at least i'm not uh <laughs> I, I, I don't know not, if you want... i am not either okay and all right I good wanna pre- i want to preface it with yes that yes perfect <laughs> we are neither of us neither of us in the prize are in the process of job searching but it is a it is a topic of conversation that we actually um, uh, briefly touched on a few weeks ago uh, when we were hanging out, and we talked about this idea of like when when is it time to move on. Um, so, Mike, uh, right off the bat, from a college perspective, I'd like to get your expertise on how long should you stay at at a college job, or n- maybe. Maybe not how long should you stay, but what is the minimum number of time number of uh, what's the minimum number? Yeah, it, it, it's such a 
That is such a difficult question um, because there's so many different factors that come into play, right? So um, obviously, you know, I think first and foremost, the first thing that pops into my mind is the players, right? And, um, and you always, you know, we, we talked, we've talked a lot on the show before about dynamics and building healthy cultures. And, um, you know, I think good people want to do right by their people, right? Like I really believe that. So, and when you're, when you're a coach uh, and you're running a program at the college level, you want to do right by your people and your, and your, your team, that's your people. Right. So, um, you know, part of me looks at that question and says, all right, well, you know, you got to do right by your players and and you want to, if you are going to leave, you want to leave in a way that um, you're leaving the program better than, than when you found it and that, you know, that they're going to be set up for success long-term. Um, and I, so there's part of me that thinks that there's another part of me, uh, you know, that, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent, I'm a father, right? So you got, you also have to do right by your family and, and certain areas of the country, certain, um, certain opportunities at certain schools, certain, um, certain pay <laughs> opportunities might make more sense uh, for you to be able to take care of your family. So there's, there's a personal element there as well. And then I think maybe an element that we um, are very hesitant, I think, as professionals to talk about oftentimes is um, the emotional and mental well-being aspect of this. Um, I think life is too short to be unhappy and everybody deserves to be able to try to make a living for themselves and try to support their families in a place where they, uh, where they can be happy. And certainly I think if, if, if you're not, um, it's probably going to affect your success as well, your ability to have success. So I would say, you know, you gotta, you have to weigh those three things, right? You want to do right by your people. You need to do right by, uh, by your family, but then you also need to do right by yourself. And, and what are, what are your own personal needs? So you're looking at it from a family perspective, a personal perspective, and then obviously, uh, the professional perspective of doing right by your people. So, uh, it's, it's, it's complicated for sure. Uh, Sebastian, but I think it's, um, those would be the three things that I would look at, um, when I was getting ready to potentially look at jobs. And it's interesting that you bring that up. I mean, from a coaching perspective, we talk a lot about, um, with our players, this like balance between challenge and success, right? You don't want to challenge your players too much. You don't want to put that bar so high that it's, that's never you're never able to to get there. So then that then you never experience success. And then if you give them too much success, then it becomes too easy, right? right. Mm-hmm. And I think as from a coaching perspective, I think we forget that sometimes that we as coaches need to find the same thing, right? It, it's not always. It, obviously, we all like to win, right? But at the same time, if you were to win every single game, ten nothing then there's something wrong somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time as if you, if you, if you were to lose every game 10 nothing, there's something wrong somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so from a coaching standpoint, um, how, do you, how, do you ex- how do you find that balance? Um, and, and at any point when the scale tips one way or the other, do you think that's a sign? And let's just put it from, a, from an assistant coach perspective. I think that's, that's a that's where we can maybe start finding this idea of challenge and success from an assistant coach perspective. Um, is that the time that you maybe start thinking, maybe, maybe I need to take the, the, next, the next step or maybe I need to find another place or maybe I need to find the next challenge or maybe I need to dial it down a little bit because this is way too difficult. This is not what I expected. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it's a great way to look at it is to start is to start from the assistant coaching perspective. I can tell you from experience, I've been really fortunate to have been an assistant coach at many universities. Um, and I can tell you, you know, I can tell you personally from my experience when I decided to leave North Carolina state and come here to the university of Delaware, um, for me, from a professional standpoint, the reason why I decided to make the leap professionally, uh, was not because we weren't having success at, at state. You know, obviously we were very successful. Um, it wasn't because I was unhappy. I was incredibly happy. Um, you know, I, I decided to make the jump to leave NC state to come to the university of Delaware because, um, I've professionally, I felt like, okay, I've, I've made the, I've made as much of an impact here as I think I can make. I think that I've done, I've offered everything that I have. Um, I've seen it, you know, I, I, and I know that because I've been able to see it through in the, um, in the results that we've been able, you know, the, the corner that we've been able to turn. And, um, and now because I'm an assistant and I'm not the head coach, um, 
you know, my evolution is a bit more limited. Um, so, you know, I definitely, when I left after the 2016 season from, from Raleigh, uh, you know, Tim Santoro, the head coach down there, he is still my best friend. Uh, we still talk pretty much every day. Uh, we were very good friends before I ever went to go work with him. Um, and, um, and the team, we finished top 15 in the country that year. We had a great season. We went to the sweet 16 against double tournament. Um, and, uh, and I had just actually six months before I moved to take the job at Delaware, I had just had my second child. Easton was just born and we had just bought our dream house in Raleigh. So obviously I had every intention that I was going to stay because life was pretty, was pretty good. Um, yeah. But my, my sphere of responsibility there was um, one, you know, Tim and I, I think, shared the responsibility of recruiting pretty evenly. Um, but in the day-to-day management of the team, my responsibility was really about um, managing the dynamics and the emotions of the group, uh, you know, building a really strong, cohesive identity uh, within, our, within our team. And I will, you know, and I'll openly say that Tim Tim was very much the manager of the tactics of how we were approaching game to game and how we were going to play. Um, obviously our roles combined, uh, to a certain degree at times, right? Everybody's does, um, you know, we were both coaching and training sessions and Tim was involved in team stuff that we were doing off the field. Um, so there was overlap there, but I felt for what my main sphere of influence was, um, I had pretty much tapped it out and we had gone from being, I mean, I'll be very open about this. When Tim and I got there in 2013, it was a dysfunctional environment and we went from dysfunction to, um, highly functional and successful. So I felt like, okay, um, you know, I've done what I can do and, and professionally I am, I am ready for the next challenge. Um, so I think, honestly, I think it's easier. I think it's easier to know when it's time to move on when you're the assistant coach because your role is very clearly defined. And I think right. when you're the head coach, um, you can evolve your role um, as you go. Um, and so it's, it, it is certainly different. It certainly is different. How do you deal with the, um, with at times, and, and this is the, I think this is, it's, a, it's probably a, pretty difficult question and probably could it, it we don't i don't know if we'll get the answer to the question um because when i've I, when i've asked myself the question I'm, I'm not sure that i have the answer either um but how do you deal with the fear of the unknown that's a great question um i think um you know at some point in time you got to figure out what you want to be and you have to bet on yourself um you know, I, and I don't think you need to be, I don't think you have to have delusions that you're, that you're perfect or that you're the best at what you do. Um, you know, when I left NC state to, to come here to Delaware, there was, there's absolutely a fear because I went from sitting in the second chair to sitting in the top chair. And now every decision was going to fall on me. And if it goes well, you look like a genius. And if it doesn't go well, then everybody's got an opinion. Right. Um, and I got to see that firsthand when I got to NC state, it was so funny when, I would see the way people would talk to Tim when we were bad in 2013 and 2014. And then I would see the, how the same people would speak to him in 2016 as if he had completely changed as a coach. And he said, no, I didn't change. Like I'm the same coach now that I was four years, four years ago. Um, And um, you know, I, I, I learned a lot from being able to see his experience because what I learned is you have to have the confidence in yourself to stay the course and just know, okay, listen, I'm a good coach. I'm committed to continually developing myself. Am I the best coach in the country? Maybe not. Um, but I'm a good coach and I continue to try to learn and develop and, uh, and my heart's in the right place. And I always try to do right by my people. And because of that, I believe that this will work out. And, um, and you, and you, and you bet on yourself. Uh, there's always going to be, you know, it's funny. Uh, Somebody told me once when I was younger in my career, they said, if you wait to make the jump until you feel like you're ready, you're never going to make the jump. Right. And, uh, and I believe that you're, you're never going to feel like you're ready and you're always, there's always going to be an element of fear. And sometimes you just gotta, you gotta dive into things head first and just sort it out as you go. Um, so, you know, I would say bet on yourself. I think you bring up a, that what you just said before that was, I think brings a, a great kind of a great segue um, in a, in a, in a managerial role, right. When you're overseeing a staff, 
how do you handle the uh, the conversation of maybe it's time for your assistant coach to move on? Uh, maybe because you're maybe because you see something in your assistant coach that they might not see in themselves, or how do you tell a staff member, listen, like there might be another opportunity that I think could be a really really good fit for you, and it would be the next step in your career. How do you have that conversation? Because I I know I've had had the conversation with with our staff at Delaware Union before certain members of our staff, and I've had the the conversation with Dwayne, for example, as one of our younger coaches in the club, of here are the steps, basically. Like, here's here's the path that I took. Here's the steps that I, I see maybe for you. You know, it, and everyone's different. And there's different, there's different ties. There's different things that, A, keep you in a certain place or having another job keeps you in a certain place and this being a part-time thing. But but how do you have that conversation with somebody when it's time to, when you think it's time for them to move on or to explore the opportunity yeah. or, or something like that? I think, you know, I think those conversations, uh, number one, I think they happen organically. And I think they happen in moments when we don't even realize that they're happening. Um, you know, when people talk about what their goals are, things like that. I mean, I can tell you one of the things that I try to do is uh, have periodic conversations with my staff about what are your goals? Like, what's your end goal? Where do you want to end up? What's your, what's your vision for your career? And then let's see how we can figure out a way to try to, to, try to make it work. Um, and, you know, it's, it would be very difficult for me to advise my staff on how they should continue to progress in their career if I don't know what their end goal is. So I think it's really important to have those periodic touch points because it might change too, right? Like I, yeah. I, I will tell you that my, uh, the things that are important to me as a, as, a, as a person, it's changed over the course of my career. You know, when I was young, it was all about winning. And that has certainly changed as I've gotten older, more mature, more humble. Um, so I think, um, you know, it's important to continually have those moments where you're able to touch base with your, with your staff members, um, and have those honest conversations, um, about what their, what their, you know, what their goals are, what their hopes and dreams are. And, uh, and I think something that I try to do here, uh, and to try to allow it to feel very organic, I'm not a big believer in formalized meetings. I, I don't like that because I feel like sometimes when you step into a formal setting, you will, um, you're going to say what the meeting wants to hear. Um, so for me, it's a big thing. Like if I have to go out to recruit at a training session, <clears throat> there are times where I'll bring both of my staff members. There are times where I'll bring one of my staff members uh, so that I can have that moment in the car ride up to a training field where we can just have a conversation like two people. Um, and, and not have to worry about how is this coming off or is, is, you know, all the things that go along with how it feels when you walk into a, an office and you, ha- and you sit down for a formal meeting. I think those very personal, uh, informal moments are critical to understanding who the person is and not just who the professional is. And, uh, and then, you know, utilizing that with the information that they readily give you to be able to figure out um, what might be a logical next step for them. Um, so I can tell you, you know, in my situation in particular, when I was at North Carolina state, Tim Santoro, he knew that my ultimate goal was that I wanted to go back and, and be a head coach again. I was a head coach prior to going to NC state. And when I left, I felt like I left, uh, Iona college up in New York, up in New York city, uh, Westchester County. I felt like I left Iona with a little bit of unfinished business. Cause we were very close to being a, a very good team in that conference. Uh, and I think he, and he knew that when I left to come to NC state. And so he knew that my end goal was to, to go back and be a head coach again and uh, do all those great things that go along with building a program, but doing it with, with a program that was, that was mine. Right. So I think, but we talked all the time, all the time on the field, off the field, in the, in airplanes, in cars. I mean, we were, we were very, in, very well in tune with one another for sure. I think that's, that makes a huge difference. Um, when you talk about the idea of, of relationships and you and I've had this conversation on the podcast, off the podcast. And, and I think every time we talk, we, we basically talk about this idea, but this idea of relationships and, and understanding the person, not just, you know, what, what's right in front, what everybody sees. It's really understanding the, the, the person within. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you can find these natural, these natural moments to ultimately have those conversations, it becomes such a huge, um, such a huge thing you know i've i've had really good conversations with people in my life and then you know i can remember the, the best times is when it's it's somewhat informal you know it's because that's ultimately when you let your guard down right it's it's 
and at times this this uh this podcast has be, become at least for me a little bit of that um has become the idea of kind of letting my guard down in certain things that i don't necessarily talk about all the time but um so i think you know as and, and i do this periodically i i go through the uh, united soccer coaches uh like job portal um and i feel like there's a million and one different like college jobs available at any given point especially that i feel like this year for some odd reason there's more college jobs open than i have seen COVID. in a long in a long COVID. time i think yeah. i think a lot of that's due to covid man we all got a really everybody across the country in every um in every you know discipline had an opportunity to reassess uh, this was a this was a hard reset for everybody, right? Like, is this what I want, right? Like, I will tell you, over the course of the pandemic, my life was drastically different from what it was prior to the pandemic. I spent more time over the last year with my family than I ever have. I could totally see how people would walk away from that and say, oh my God, what was I doing for the last 10 years prior to this, spending so much time away from my, my kids? Um, so I think it I think a lot of a lot of those job openings that you're seeing, Sebastian, are are um, many of them. I'm sure are partially because of that, because of the reassessment that we all got to do over the over the course of the last twelve to fourteen months. I think I think some people and I had this. I was having this conversation with a with a parent um, and a board member on on Tuesday at the field. We we have these sessions on for the month of July. We're doing these sessions once a week with our with our teams. And, um, and we were just, we were on the topic of, of, you know, the sessions and he's like, you know, kind of, why do you do them? I'm like, I don't know, just because it's the, kind of like the right thing to do. I don't like, I, it's the middle of summer. Like there's, you know, we have players that are, that are here. I'd rather have them touching a ball. Um, it, you know, get something out of it, combine them with different, with different teams and things like that. So it, it helps. Um, he's like, but you guys don't get paid for this, right? Like, how'd you convince your staff to do it? And I was like, I don't know. Like, just, I just told them, Hey, listen, we're going to do these for four weeks. Come if you can't can't like that's fine um you know I, i'm i'm gonna be i'm gonna be missing this session or this session i'm gonna need coverage for that outside of that i got everything else covered and everyone's showing up every so far you know if they're available they're there um so it you know it's it's sometimes the coaching world can make it difficult to do certain things right the the idea of uh and and for you the same i the, i had the, i share the same thoughts that you did in the last year and a half i spent I've had more family dinners with my with my wife and kids than I've had since both my kids were born um, in a row. Uh, I got to cook, which I love to do. I got to cook more than I have done in a long time because I got my nights back. Yeah, For a long time, I didn't get to go outside. I didn't get to do all these things. Now, part of me was missing at times too. A part of me was, was um, I don't know if that's where I get my energy release. At times, you know, that's where I like tune out from the rest of the world and I really just focus on on the kids that I'm coaching. But that that was hard, I think, to to now find that balance of doing both things. So so going back to this job portal, and 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 this might be a myth, I might be completely off base here, but um there's a lot of jobs that are posted. Now, is is it true that some of the jobs that are posted are kind of technically posted but not really posted yeah absolutely that's okay. 100 percent true yeah. <laughs> i mean listen I, I i but i don't you know i, I do want to preface this by saying i don't think that we are unlike any other industry in the country in the right. sense that um you know and people say this all the time it's not what you know it's who you know right and and uh and maybe that is to our detriment um, because maybe if we, if it truly was all the time, a 100% open search, maybe you find somebody, uh, who would be a better fit, um, potentially. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think oftentimes, and it's probably, like I said, it likely is probably with every industry, there is going to be a sense of like, if you know the right people, you might have a shot. Uh, if you're applying blindly, it's, it's, it is, it's difficult. I've been that I've been there, <laughs> you know, I've applied blindly to jobs, uh, before and, uh, without knowing the right person and and yeah it can be demoralizing sometimes i mean sometimes i mean i remember living in california applying for jobs um when i was very young very early in my career and um i think that year i probably applied for 80 90 jobs <laughs> and um and you don't get even one email back right like um yeah so that is it is not a myth it's true <laughs> <laughs> well mike um this has been absolutely uh, fantastic conversation. I think it every time again, I'll say it every time. 
you and I get to have conversations like this. It's it's uh it's fun. It's eye opening. I learn a lot, um, and uh, and I think that's the goal of these things. And hopefully, uh, these these ninety first minute halftime talks, uh, extra time, whatever it is that we're gonna end up calling it or asking for a friend, uh, conversations help help others out there. Um, but yeah, so that was uh that was this, the topic of conversation. So Mike, thanks so much for for coming on today. Appreciate you having me. Thanks so much, Sebastian. All right, we are moving on to the Euros. Uh, Dwayne, um, I I was like, so I we had a game, so I only really watched the first half of the game and part of the second half before Italy scored. Spoiler alert, you know, for anybody listening who's still recording the game, waiting to to hear it, uh, Italy won. You haven't watched it by now. You recorded it. I don't know what you can do with your life. But you're listening to our podcast first. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Your life. Yeah. Uh, so Italy Italy wins in PK. So uh, England goes up. So I got in the car at literally, uh, the game started at 3. I got in the car at 3.04. And I got in the car and I was like, all right, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to... I'm gonna, listen to the game quote unquote listen to the game as i'm driving um up to pa for a game and uh i get in the car and it's already one nothing yeah so i was like yeah, oh, i don't even think everybody was people weren't even in their seats yet they hadn't gotten the chips yet chips and salsa right. were not in the bowl yet no not at all yeah um so so england was up for for a lot of the game and then italy scored uh to tie the game that's kind of be- right before i um Right before I turned it, why again? And we were in the middle of a warm up. Um, interesting thing happened. Uh, the referee from our game was very heavily invested in this idea of this game, so he was asking me in the middle of the game how the game was going. He was like in the middle of the game, going still one one, and I was like, yeah, man. Like at that point, just ref with your Apple Watch on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so just here, like. So when it was when they were going to PKs, I actually decided that I was like, all right, like I'm recording the game anyways. I might as well just stop, pay attention to the game. I'm not gonna watch the PKs. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna basically watch the PKs after I'm done with my game. Uh, well, it turns out that our lovely referee that we had on Sunday, uh, or yeah, on Sunday, decided that he was going to watch the PKs during halftime. Uh, I thought you were going to say he was going to stop the game. No, 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 no. He was watching. <laughs> weather, de- okay, no. weather delay. <laughs> no, because no, because the PKs fell right in the middle of our halftime. Um, so he decides to stop to, or basically he decides to start watching the the PKs live and start screaming and yelling because he was he wanted it early win. So like he was very excited when they won. I was like, oh, thanks for spoiling it, man. Like appreciate it. Like, yeah. At that point, we had not become friends anymore. That point you're just like just send me off. <laughs> yeah, let me go to the car. Um, so yeah, so Italy won. I mean, um, Italy was probably the most consistent team. I think England and Italy were both the two most consistent teams of the of the cup, but at the same time, I think Italy was probably the more consistent with a purpose. I think England at times struggled with the idea of like what kind of a purpose do they have? Uh Italy had definitely from had the field. And that's where they struggled. Yeah. Yeah. Like you got a lot of talent and utilizing that talent. Cause I'll tell you one player that probably should have played Phil Foden. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, he, he opted up, opted in for Bukayo Saka for, for a lot more, except for the final really. But um, for a lot of the other games, he, he opted in for Saka. So um, the one thing, and I think this is a disappointing part, and this is a part where, soccer still has not figured this out and it's disappointing that the world hasn't figured it out either but the the one thing that's disappointing is the the abuse that that um that rashford saka and sancho took afterwards uh after missing their pks on social media and stuff like that the the racist comments i I think that's not only is it uncalled for i think it just you got to go back to the idea that it's a game right like at the end of the day it's a game um yeah, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. There's a chance that you're gonna make a mistake. So, but it's just a game, especially all the good that you know, especially Marcus Rashford does. Not only that, just see, look at it from the perspective of like, listen, they're out there, like they're they made it, they made it that far. Whether you like it or not, you they made it that far. So for you to sit at home 
on your couch making a comment like that that just ultimately just speaks just of jealousy really of like just because you didn't make it right because right. you didn't get to play now you're just going to take it out on somebody that did like at least they put the jersey on you know they they like that's how i look at it sometimes it's like as far as as angry as i might get with the argentinian national team it's you know some of the players that i feel like at times need take a step back or just you know they're no longer needed in the national team you know it, it, there's still a level of respect to the fact that they're representing my country right so you, like i don't understand this this hatred that that people have uh it's disappointing disappointing it's upsetting um and ultimately has no place in this world so hopefully at some point people will learn um and hopefully it's sooner rather than later um but we are going to we are going to talk about the Copa America because obviously um that happened first uh and so i i i specifically asked you and Chad not to like say anything during the game uh cuz i knew the diamonds were going to be playing and I was going to be able to watch the entire second half, but I didn't want to know anything about the game because I knew that was going to throw me off one way or the other. So I really didn't want anything to know about the game. I, I, I thought I had a feeling that Argentina had scored in the first half, just based on some of the, uh, the, the, some of the things. That you and, yeah. Some of the things you and Chad were doing, I, I felt like I, I had a feeling that Argentina had scored. Um, it was crazy. Cause we call, like we were talking about the player that scored. Yeah. Like we were just talking about him in general. Yeah. And he shows me the phone. He's like, they're up one nothing and Di Maria scored. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, hey, I, we should have been at PA because I would have made some more money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I knew I knew that's when I that's when I thought that um that that Argentina had scored. I that's when I ultimately kind of realized it. Um so but at the same time, I really um I, I was very excited. Um, I watched the entire second half. I felt like there was a moment where where some tears almost fell down, almost came down, but they didn't. But um, but I was I was happy. Um, I was happy. I watched the entire like I sit up for like another two hours watching the entire like post game, like just watching the players on the field and all this and that. Watch the interviews. Watch the live stream from Otamendi that he was doing inside the locker room. Uh, I watched it all. Uh, I became almost a little kid in that moment. Um, and for me, it's a special time. I mean, it's, this is the one that I really gonna, I'm really going to remember. Argentina hadn't won a title in 28 years. You know, the last one was in 93. Um, and obviously, I was six years old at that time, so it wasn't really uh, something that I was cognizant for um, or, or remember, really, for, the, for that matter. Uh, so, um, so, yeah, I mean, the, other, the other only other thing I remember was the Olympics. Uh, I remember those vividly, um, but Tevez and Messi. And... Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I remember the under twenty World Cups and all these other things. But but ultimately, with the with the um, with a full on national team, I think that that hasn't hasn't happened. Um, twenty fourteen, we be, we came so close. Uh, so for for Messi to basically um, put the team on his back and just just be the leader that everyone always expected him to be, to finally for him to finally step into that role and and embrace it and everybody to follow him and then i watched an interview with scaloni who i had at times criticized um for you know not having the experience needed but i felt like we were talking with my dad about this the other day um i felt like he ultimately was able to build something with that group that was needed he didn't try to become this overbearing coach he just said really listen i know you guys know how to play we're just going to give you some ideas We'll give you some thoughts for him. It's a lot about the big, like the building of the, um, uh, of the group, you know, the chemistry is, is huge for him. Uh, one of the big things they did as soon as his, him and his coaching staff, um, who's all has national team experience, who are all fantastic players with long careers as well. Um, but one of the things they did on their staff is as soon as they came in, um, they said, you know, when we, when the players eat meals, we want them to sit at a round table. In one table, we're gonna have one big round table. I don't want small tables. Um, and it goes back to this idea that um, there is no head of the table, right? There is no, there is no person that's in charge. Everyone's basically the same. Um, you're no better than anybody else around you. Um, 
So I think that was a huge step forward for the Argentinian national team. So very excited about that. Um, obviously, as, as being Argentinian, I think that that was a big thing for me. So, uh, all right. You watched the U.S. game last night. I didn't. What 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 did you think? I mean, so uh, Berhalter, hats off to him. Um, he made a lot of changes from the Haiti game. So yeah. basically everybody has now played that's on the Gold Cup roster. The average caps per player from last night was five. Wow. And only two players had double-digit caps. So that shows you the youth of the team. But, uh, I mean, they executed so who, the game. Who ultimately repeated from the previous game? What, Turner? Matt Turner. Walker Zimmerman. Uh, Robinson, right? Miles Robinson. Did he play the first game? I don't remember who played the first game. Yeah, yeah. Matt Turner. Um, DK. DK did not play the first game. At least not, didn't start the first game. He didn't start. He scored the first game, though. Gianluca Guzio. No, he He's a- Sam, Sam Vine scored the first game. Yo, DK didn't score the first game? In the first game? No. The, no, the first game, Sam Vine. Oh, uh, maybe it's he scored. I don't know. He scored his first. He scored in the first and is one of his first caps. That's what it is. A few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Sebastian Legette started. Paul Ariola, or whatever his name is, is Paul. Paul Ariola. Paul Ariola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got hurt. Uh, uh, Zardis, uh, Lewis, Kellen Acosta, and Jackson Ewell. So a lot of these guys came off the bench. So it's good to rotate them through. Um, Gianluca Buzio, um, definitely a player to watch. Yeah. Like, glad he's capped tied with us because he's definitely a player to watch in that six role. Definitely a defensive player, but he can break the lines. Like, he, he gets the ball, and he's immediately looking to break the lines. Yeah. Mech with the forwards and get us forward. I like I like him a lot, and he's very consistent. But we uh, – I mean, Martinique's not the best opponent to judge us off of. Right. Uh, they're not even really a FIFA nation. They're a territory of France kind of thing. So, I mean, they handled their business, scored some goals, but, you know, we look good. And it's good to see that, you know, Berhalter can go from coaching the, the European guys, some of the top European players or top American European players and take like a roster of MLS guys and still go out there and compete and get the same expectations because it could kind of go both ways, right? Like you could say, hey, I got Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna. Oh, but now you gave me Gian- Gianluca and Jackson Yule and George Bella. Like, what do you expect me to do with this? We can't do anything with this. So they were able to compete. And I think, you know, guys scoring goals and able to put their names in these conversations for World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. I think they've already said it. We've got to be deep for World Cup qualifiers this year because they're three games over, what, two weeks? Yeah. So, you know, future's bright. We play Canada on uh, Sunday, so that should be interesting because it looks like whoever loses that game has to play Mexico. <laughs> oh, would they play? Oh, they play Mexico's group? Yeah, because Mexico yeah. right now has has really no shot at getting first place, I don't think. Um, well, I guess they do if they win their game. Yeah, but Mexico is also bringing over the majority of their team from the Nations League. Right. They brought 14 guys over. Yeah. Well, we brought, what, one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mexico would have to would have to ultimately beat El Salvador um, in order to get first place, which, I mean, El Salvador looks like it's going to be a tough opponent in general. They haven't given up a goal yet. So in, in over two games, they scored four goals. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, the, the game I want to watch um, tomorrow or sorry, this week in general. Um, I'd like to watch Jamaica play. Um, I'd like to watch Costa Rica play at some point. Um, and I'm interested in seeing Qatar play. I don't know why. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I don't remember. I don't remember when they got invited to be in the Gold Cup. Uh, like I don't. Why? What is the reason for having a 
out of your confederation team because Qatar doesn't even have didn't have a national team like I think that's the big thing because they're hosting the world cup and they don't really they have a national team they play yeah but I don't know that it's like I mean you're getting ready to host the world cup like you need to get ready I mean they play world cup qualifiers I mean they're not they're not I mean they've Actually, not bad in the World Cup qualifiers. Um, I think that's part of the motive. Maybe it's a Copa America thing where they were supposed to go there and the Gold Cup was like, we'll take you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, right now they're they're. I mean, obviously, they it's weird that they have to do the World Cup qualifiers considering that they they automatically qualify. Well, get your experience and it also does. You gotta have but, a balance. I guess you need a balance. Like you can't go. But they're oh, in cars in, and then you have a group of three. <laughs> but they're in. They're in. They're in first place in their group. Who's in their group for World Cup qualifiers? Uh Oman, India, Afghanistan, and Bangladesh. Oh, so, okay. I mean, they haven't lost a game. I mean that that entire the. If you name a single player from any one of those five countries. Yeah, probably not. But you know, the the hard part is, is in general, like when you look at some of these, um, the the countries in the, in in the World Cup qualifiers for for Asia, it becomes if difficult. Um, so they so they the next round, right? So the third round of the World Cup qualifiers. Um, oh, I think Qatar Qatar doesn't get in to the third round. They'd only play the second round of it because they automatically qualify for the World Cup. So ultimately. Uh, so it looks like Iran, Iraq, South Korea, Lebanon, Syria, and the United Arab United Arab Emirates is Group A. Group B is Australia, China, Japan, Oman, Saudi Arabia, and Vietnam. Um, so I mean, ultimately, the the big the big three countries that you would expect um, to, or the big four or five countries you would expect to to fight for a spot are in. You know, Iran, Iraq, South Korea. Um, Australia, Australia, China, Australia, China, Japan, you know, six, six countries there that like you would expect to, to fight for a spot, uh, three in each group. And then Saudi Arabia has always been, you know, somewhat decent too. So, um, we'll see how that goes for sure. I'll tell you one thing. They'll be ready to deal with that heat. Yeah. That's what they've got in their back pocket. Yeah, that's true. They could be consistent. Yeah. With the heat. Yeah. Um, all right. Player of the match. Uh, my player of the match uh, this week, uh, I got a I got a two for one here. Um, not only Argentina, but just Messi in general. Um, so you know, Messi and Argentina, I think, go get my player of the match this week. Just for this last week, you know, they they've had to they were in the bubble for for sixty days for two months in a row uh, without being able to see anybody. So yeah, it's definitely tough. Goes back to almost like a year ago, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's my player of the match. Who's your player of the match? Uh, Gianluca Buzio uh, ripped the crossbar off of one of his shots yesterday. Like I don't even think that he was trying to rip the crossbar off. Uh, but definitely a consistent player, definitely a player to watch for the future. And uh, I don't expect him to be in MLS next year. He's a 19-year-old kid, defensive center mid. So he's putting on a strong Gold Cup performance. I think this is like his coming out party. So... European clubs are probably coming in for that swoop. Right. Um, Because they are plucking talent out of the MLS left and right. I mean, yeah, but that's, I mean, it's a good thing though, right? No, it is. It's a, it's a great thing. Um, Because now that the MLS has kind of got that platform and you kind of have those success stories, you have those Brendan Aarons and Mark McKenzie's that have, Right. Come up to the ranks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even Gio Reyna, you know, NYCFC ranks. So it's good to see. And then you yeah. also have the players like Christian Pulisic. They just make the jump when they're 13 and 14. So That's right. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So uh, on this day in history, uh, we're going to we're going to have this is going to be this is a this is a really interesting on this day in history because it, it pulls at different strings that that all kind of tie together. Uh, but 1950, what do you remember about 1950 doing? Dude, they were driving like these old cars, <laughs> like the cars you still see in Cuba today. That's yeah. what they were driving. 
1950. What do you, is that a memorable year for anything in particular? There's a World Cup. There was a World Cup. That's right. 1950, there was a World Cup that happened in Brazil. Okay. 1950 World Cup in Brazil. Uh, it was 20 years after the, the first World Cup. Uh, do you remember who was in the final of the first World Cup in 1930? Argentina. And? England? Nope. Uruguay. Uruguay. Exactly. So in the World Cup history, there's only been two times where two South American countries have been in the final. 1930-1950. I'm just saying that might be interesting to do now. That would be kind of cool. TV yeah. Go through the roof. That's your super league right there. Oh, for sure. No, for sure. So in the final stage of the, of the world cup, it was Brazil, um, Brazil, Uruguay, Spain, and Sweden were in the final group. Um, before the final match, uh, Brazil was going in with two wins and they had four points. Cause back in those days, uh, you only got two points for a win, not three. So they had four points. Uruguay had uh, one win and a draw. So they had three points. Spain had a Spain had a draw, and Sweden had two losses. So it came down to Brazil, Uruguay, Spain, Sweden. Obviously, Spain and Sweden didn't have enough points to be able to to make it to win. So their game didn't matter. So ultimately, the Uruguay Brazil game ultimately became the final because it was the two teams that had a chance at at winning. Um. So uh. Brazil goes up one nothing, and then uh, Uruguay ties it. And with 11 minutes left to go in the in the game, uh, Alcides Gigia scores a goal. So that was that was July 16th, 1950. Um, so it that entire um, that entire game is called the Maracanazo because it was the the blow at the Maracana Stadium. It was still recorded, and I believe it's still recorded today as the biggest, um, the largest crowd in a sporting event. Uh, 199,854 people were in that stadium. Yeah, you, you get well, definitely not beating that record today. This no. year, you got a couple of years to, to wait no, for that. No, and the problem is, you still can't. You know why? Because, at least from a soccer standpoint, FIFA changed all their rules before it was basically just standing room. You didn't yeah. you just needed bleachers or just uh, they used to do those like concrete bleachers. So you could yeah. just pack people like sardines. Yeah. Now you uh, have to sit because now of the, you got now you have to sit because of the safety fire hazards and all that other stuff. So at the American Ass Stadium, uh, you had almost 200,000 people in the stadium watching this game. Uh, majority of them all rooting for Brazil and ultimately Uruguay wins. Yeah, parking was probably crazy. <laughs> Nobody parking out there. They're just, just everybody the, walk. Everybody walked. Um, so the the really interesting thing um, was uh, so there's there's a bunch of so FIFA did a bunch of videos um, ahead of the 2014 World Cup of like I scored in a World Cup and things like that. But they interviewed Gigia uh, about the fact that he scored that goal and he was going back to Brazil for the World Cup. The sad thing is that um, so he passed that he passed away at the age of eighty eight. You know what day he passed away? July sixteenth. July sixteenth, twenty fifteen. Sixty five years to the day of the day he had scored that goal in nineteen fifty. So very Bury very in the goal that I scored on. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. So very very interesting. Um, very interesting. On this day in history, so 1950 uh, World Cup, known as the Maracanazo. Also, that's what happened the other day at the Maracana on Saturday night. That's right. <laughs> there might have only been like 4,000 fans. Uh, so there was fans. They give out free tickets like the night before, two days before the game. They decided they were going to give out 2,000 tickets to each or 2,500 tickets to each country um, for free. 
but you have to have a negative, but like the PCR COVID test, you have to have a negative test and you have to be a resident of whatever. But then it was became an absolute like nightmare to get the ticket. So in true, in true South American spirit, it was just all. Basically, you had to be sitting in Brazil outside the stadiums. Yeah. Like you had to know somebody that knew somebody to already know. That. Yeah, you had to be you had to be Messi or Neymar's cousin to be able to get into the stadium. Yeah. Um, fair play of the week. Fair play of the week. Uh, my fair play of the week. Uh, again, I'm gonna do two this week. Uh, first one's gonna go out to my dad. Um, just because he he had a rough week, and um, and I was uh, I I hung hung out with him on Wednesday, and we um we we didn't really have to talk about anything tough. We just kind of talked about soccer and watched some soccer stuff. So that I think that helped. So big shout out to my dad. Um, he gets a fair play of the week. Um, and then my other fair play of the week, and you might find this a little odd and interesting. My other fair play of the week goes out to Neymar. Because uh in the moment, I felt like basically like there was a there was a there was a like a huge Argentinian urge at the end of the game to just like uh just just gloat, right? This idea of just like we won, you're crying. I'm happy. You're sad. Uh, excitement. But then Neymar did something that was unexpected, and it really caught me off guard. First of all, Neymar went out and just hugged every single Argentinian player and congratulated them in person. Like after he he went through his emotional thing, he went and hugged every single Argentinian player. But then he sat with Messi and Perez, and I texted you the picture of it after just literally sitting on a stair by like on the tunnel. Just, just the three of them just sitting down, just talking about like it's almost like they had just finished playing pickup. Um, and to me, yeah, that's were, the, you know he was talking to Messi about something totally different. <laughs> but that to me is the essence of the game. Like that, that brings it. Like that takes all the like. Yes, it's awesome that Argentina won. Uh, yes, it's awesome that it was Brazil. It's it, it was it's awesome that it's everything. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it's just a game. <laughs> And we, you got to be able to move on past the, you know, the four lines of the field. As soon as you cross those lines, we're you're back to just being a regular person. Nothing, nothing's changed in your life, really. Right. Um, so I think that was a big moment. That was an unexpected moment, and I did not expect it to hit me as hard as it did, or like to to cause that big of a reaction for me. But it did. It's it stuck with me all week. So, uh, who's your fair play of the week? You mind a Mike Barr. Uh... With the D license, uh, good instructor um, comes highly recommended by Lou. But just to you know, talking everybody through what we're getting ready to go through for the on field and just making it seem like, hey, you guys, you're here for a reason. You're good coaches. Like, don't stress out about it. Like, just go out, and coach, hit the right topics. You know, just. Make sure everybody understands you. Yeah, we're gonna flow. <laughs> yeah, I love Mike Barr. He's a great yeah, guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, well, yeah, uh, awesome. Well, that was episode fifty-five. Boom, yeah. moving, moving right along. We knocking went from him, knocking him out left and not, right. It, like I literally, when I was typing, I was like, "Oh my god, is it really 55 And it is. Yeah, it's absolutely fifty-five. Uh, make, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to. Make sure you subscribe, comment. Uh, send us messages on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, Facebook, it's Delaware Union, Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer, and on Twitter at DE Union Soccer. Please send us uh, whatever title you think you should call it. We should call this other segment that we have, this unknown segment. Uh, we're going to need it because we have some interviews coming up that I think are, are going to be very, very specific. So we'd love to have a name for it. Um, and not only do we, we possibly have an international guest in a couple of weeks, but we also take the show on the road or I take the show on the road. I am not going to record. I believe I recorded all the episodes from my house. Maybe one game I or one one game, one episode I recorded maybe from my parents' house. I can't remember. I think I might have. Uh, but if not, I've always recorded them here. Uh, but I am going to be taking uh, my microphone with me when I'm recording the podcast from Colorado. Um, so first time the podcast will be somewhat recorded because you'll still be in Delaware. So it's, one of us will be out of state as we record this. So exciting stuff. Hey, I can just get on the road too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you want to. You can just what cross the state line, record from Maryland. Hey, 20 minutes away. There you go. 
Well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front. <laughs>